Welcome to Fireside Nets with Spen and Nick, brought to you by Empire Sports Media. We are your hosts, Spen. Is this thing on, Nick? Before we get into the Brooklyn Nets, of which there is a lot to be happy about, I want to shout out uh, a member of Nets Twitter for two reasons. One, two weeks ago when Nick and I were on the pod, I totally forgot to reveal the fact that we played with someone on Nets Twitter who many people know. I played basketball with him um, in the playoffs and in the championship game. We won our first playoff game. We lost in the championship. I was supposed to reveal it last week. I completely forgot because Nick was in France doing God knows what. I had Mike Biseglia guest host the show with me as well as my fiance Victoria. But that person is none other than Talking Nets host Keith McPherson. So, A, that was the reveal. Keith showed up. He balled out with us. It was great. We won one game, lost in the championship. It is what it is. But since I played basketball with Keith, something amazing happened. He is now a host at WFAN Radio from 7 p.m. to 12 a.m. I'm not sure if he's the youngest radio host of all time. He's got to be up there. I'm not going to reveal his age on here, but as far as all those hosts on, on New York radio go, whether it's WFAN or ESPN New York, he's fairly younger than most of those guys. Um, but just shout out to Keith, an unbelievable opportunity. Couldn't have happened to a more amazing human being. I've known Keith for a few months since me and Nick have been doing Fireside. He's welcomed us on Talking Nets. I've been on his show twice now. He's been on our program. Um, he came up clutch when we needed him for our intramural basketball game. And me and Nick actually ran into him at the Nets Hawks game uh, a few weeks ago, but just, he's a man of the people. He is someone who, if you don't follow him on Nets Twitter, get on your Twitter machine right now and follow Keith McPherson because he is now a prominent New York radio host. So that was my quick shout out to him. Nick, anything to say on Keith? Uh, congrats, Keith. I don't think you call it intramurals once you're like out of college. Do you? Probably not, but it's better than calling it's okay. So I we thought we were signing up for a men's league, but it was a co-ed league. So then so it's is called it a, a co-ed league. A co-ed recreation league? It's called a rec say you're playing a rec basketball league. I prefer intramurals. Or an adult league. It just sounds By like, the way, like a sophomore. That was a pretty half-assed congratulations on your part. No, listen, Keith knows me. I said congrats. I'll look him in the eyes, I'll shake his hand and say congrats. He knows I'm a genuine dude. You went on like a five-minute Ran, I don't want to match that, so I kept it short. I mean, hey, congrats, Keith. If you say it and you mean it, that's all you got to say. That's fair. I just wrote in my notes, intramural teammate, former guest on the show, and WFN radio host. So, Keith McPherson, congratulations. Keith has has a great uh, shoe game as well. Great kicks he was running at the Nets game. All right. Five and one in their last six game. That was a six-game road stand. I actually think they're better than that. I think they're eight and one. Yeah, right? Let's count these one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight wins, one loss. They're eight and one in their last nine games, Nick. They now sit 10 and four. They're on a three game win streak and they are number two in the Eastern conference only behind as everybody could have predicted the Washington wizards. I know. You know, it's funny. I saw that. I keep, I keep looking at the wizards schedule and who they still have on their team, but the fact they're in first is hilarious. Uh, and just for the people who uh, do not know the only loss in the last 
what, nine games is to the Chicago Bulls, who have to be up there. What are they right now, Spend Third or fourth? They have a solid trio of Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, and Nikola Vujicic, which I don't think anybody saw coming, but our only loss uh, was to the Chicago Bulls, arguably the best team we played. They're third right now, but uh, we'll get we'll get into each game. We didn't have too tough of a schedule these last few weeks, but still great to be winning as a Nets fan. And I'll say this, Nick. Uh- it wasn't that tough, but these are games that in the past Brooklyn would lose. They just would. It didn't matter who was on our team last year. We had a lot of these scenarios where, you know, we'd play a Detroit on the road or we play an OKC and they'd make it a game. And I think, I think early in the year we lost to OKC. It was a bad loss on our end. And I think that the Nets took a lot of notes from last season. One of those notes being when we play teams, we know we're better than on the road. We have to show up and still do our jobs. And they did a great job of that on this six-game road stand. We're going to start with the win over the Oklahoma City Thunder on Sunday, 123-90. to The Brooklyn Nets took it home. A um, few takeaways from this game. Joe Harris. I'm looking at a 120-96 yeah. score. Are you looking at the right game? I think I wrote it wrong. You're right. The score was 120-96. to A few notes from this game. Joe Harris went down with an ankle injury. It didn't appear to be too bad. He was grabbing a defensive rebound. He came down. He basically stepped on his ankle, as us kids say, which means he just sort of twisted it, right? Sprained it. Is that? Is it, did you see the injury? Well, the big difference in a sprain and a twist, dude. A sprain is a serious injury. A twist you can come back from in a couple of weeks, but I think it was a sprain. It was a sprain, but I think they're not too concerned about it. It didn't look that terrible. Um, so that was one takeaway. Kind of sucks that he got hurt because this roster is thin as it is. Nick Claxton is not all the way back yet, although he should be back in the next few few games. Um, and then Kevin Durant, while he was electric in this one, 33 points, eight rebounds on nine of 17 from the field, 13 of 14 from the line. It was great to see him get to the line that often. He sort of retweaked his shoulder. He hurt the shoulder in the Chicago loss. It's been three or four games since then. And, and, you know, we've seen him grimace a few times after certain plays that happened again in the Thunder game. I think he tried to dunk it. And after that, you could see, you know, a look of pain on his face. Uh, He said afterwards, he's pretty much okay. He just tweaked it. Steve Nash said, look, he looked at the numbers and Steve Nash was like, yeah, the numbers speak for himself. Uh, Which injury are you more concerned with moving forward? Durant's shoulder or Joe Harris's ankle? Honestly, I'm not too concerned with either one. I think Joe Harris uh, hurts in the short term. Kevin Durant is more of a long-term concern. Obviously, it's giving him the rest he needs. You know, how hard are they going to push it? Are they going to give him an off game uh, in a, in one of these gimme games over the next couple of weeks? So, you know, I'm not too concerned either one. KD looks fine. He's shooting the ball at over 50% the past few games. He's absolutely crushing it. So no need to get concerned right now. Uh, the only thing that will hurt us in the immediate future is the lack of Joe Harris. But after the way Patty Mills played in this game against the Thunder, uh, I'm not too worried about that either. Yeah, thank you for that segue. So this was the Patty Mills eruption game. I mean, he was unconscious, Nick. 9 of 12 from 3. He was 10 of 16 from the field overall for 29 points. He was a plus 28 which is just nuts. Durant was a plus 30. Patty Mills was a plus 28. Those are the two best plus minuses on the team. Um, it was nice to see him get it going. He has been very streaky to start this season, but with Joe Harris going down, the Nets needed someone to step up, and boy, oh boy, did Patty Mills do just that. 
Patty Mills has such a fast release. It's like you don't know sometimes whether he's rushing his shot or that's his natural shooting motion, but it is a shooting motion. He just has such a quick release, and I think that's just from having to get his shot off quickly from being a shorter guy over the years. He's learned to literally flick it in a second. He jumps high. He uses so much legs. He has a beautiful stroke. So really great to see Patty Mills hitting not only in open shots, but creating his own shots, a couple step backs, a couple jumpers from the mid range as well. So yeah, that was a really great sign. Yes. With Joe Harris going out and just for the future, I, what I found, you know, our two guys off the bench who we love are Patty Mills and LaMarcus Aldridge, two veterans, two winners. Uh, when they both play well in tangent, it is going to be very difficult for us to lose. If Patty Mills and LaMarcus Aldridge, if I look at this game, Mills 29, Aldridge 15 and eight, those are numbers from your sixth, seventh guys that if they hit every game, and your starters play the way your starters are supposed to play, you really shouldn't lose that many games. Yeah, it's a great point, Nick. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I called Patty Mills and LaMarcus Aldridge the San Antonio connection because they both came from San Antonio. What do you think about that nickname? Yeah, that's a good name. That's a good nickname. Thank you. Um, all right, so a few more notes. Javon Carter, I got to give him credit, man. He's basically our Timothy Luau Cabarro, or he's the new version of TLC. TLC is someone, You just said I'll give him credit, and then you just insulted the shit out of him. It's not an insult, though. And I, I think that he can overcome the sour taste that Nets fans had in their mouths towards the end of TLC's tenure with the Nets. Because let's face it, once, once Brooklyn got healthy last year, TLC was not playing. He was out of the rotation. Javon Carter was on Nets fans' shit list early on. Because, you know, with Kyrie... Not mine. Not, not mine. He was on most fans, though. With Kyrie out of the rotation, obviously he's not on the team right now. Javon Carter has had to step in. Cam Thomas is not ready. We'll get to his garbage time in a second. But Carter's had to step in and and give the Nets serious bench minutes. He's basically our backup point guard because Patty Mills isn't really a true point guard. He's more of a point guard, shooting guard hybrid. So Javon Carter has been struggling from three. His offensive game hasn't been there. He's made some mental errors. Um but his defense is, has been great, and that's the reason that he is on this team for his defensive tenacity. He's gotten it going a little bit. I mean, you know, his numbers aren't going to show that only six points, two of five from three, two of six from the field. But the fact that he's shooting the ball, he's shooting with confidence, his stats weren't there, but you can see his confidence growing. What did you think of Javon Carter's performance, not just in this game, but in the past several games? I mean, it's, he does the little things. I'd compare him. He's, a, he's he's like a Bruce Brown, but he has more range than Bruce Brown. Uh, but he's nowhere near as consistent or confident as Bruce Brown yet at this point in his career. Uh, I agree. He's steadily, gradually gaining the confidence and trust of his teammates. Still streaky. He hit a couple open shots against the Thunder on Sunday night. But besides that, I haven't seen too much to kind of consider him a reliable scorer in any way. What I will say is sometimes it's those one or two shots that you hit that could be a huge uh, boost to your team, right? If, if they're double teaming Joe Harris, if they're double teaming Durant, double teaming Harden, and you need a guy like Javon Carter in crunch time, or even with six minutes left in the fourth quarter, and you're only up four or five to make that a seven or eight point game. That's a huge shot. Okay. So we don't need a 15, 20 point performance out of Javon Carter. If he hits his open shots and he considers playing lockdown D he's really doing his job. Now with Joe Harris out and Patty Mills kind of filling in that sh- uh, shooting position, Javon Carter is going to get more minutes uh, as a solid defender uh, to back up Joe Harris and help Bruce Brown out. So this is going to be a good test over the next coming days or week or two. Uh, You know, I don't know what Joe Harris's timetable is yet, but it's going to be a good test. Javon Carter's minutes will definitely go up at least five to seven minutes a game. uh, If he can score more, if he can contribute more, even assist wise, you know, he is a guard and looking at his numbers over the past couple of days, he's not really bringing in assists either. Now 
It's one thing to be a defensive juggernaut. I get that. But if you're not going to score or create shots for anyone, especially on this Nets team where you need to create for our shooters, I need to see a little more than the intangibles to provide value. It's not a bad point. He does have a tendency to be a shoot first, pass second player. And unfortunately, that's Patty Mills' thing. So maybe he should try to modify his his game a little bit to pass the ball a little bit more. I agree with you on that. Um, LaMarcus Aldridge, another solid game for him. 15 points off the bench in 22 minutes, uh, eight rebounds, 15 and eight and 22 is a really solid stat line. Um, If you look at this game kind of from a whole, the Nets just did not relent on offense. I mean, 30, 31, 29, and 30 respectively, and they held the Thunder below 27 in every single quarter. So that was good to see. Um, On the Thunder side, I mean, Lugens Dort always kills us for some reason. 20 points for him on 8 of 11 from the field. SGA finished with 23 points. He was 8 of 14 from the field. And I like Josh Gidde's game. Uh, Giddy, rather. I, I like I like what he can kind of do. Well, he's, well, he's Australian, so you're like, g'day, Josh, g'day. No, he, he's got an interesting game. Uh, he only scored six in this one, but two of ten from the field. That's a pretty bad shooting performance. You know, it's funny. I um, saw before yeah. I saw uh, I, before I saw Josh Giddy's stat line. So Josh Giddy's a young guy. I think he's 19 out of Australia. So him and Patty Mills with the two Aussies in this game. I saw an like an AussieSports.com uh, headline that said like Patty Mills and Josh Giddy make the U.S. fans drool as they dominate the Nets Thunder game. So I'm like, oh man, Josh Giddy must have had a great performance too. I mean, Patty Mills put up 29, and I look and the dude had like six, five, and four. It, and I'm like, it's not even his stat line though. Like he just looks nice with it. You know when you watch a guy play a young guy and the game just comes naturally to him. Yes, but you can't tell me he dominated when I'm looking at Gilgis yeah, Alexander's I wouldn't, I, and Lou I, Dort's 20. I, I wouldn't use the word dominated, but you can just tell, like, he's got a future in the league. Like, he's someone, you know, when you watch LaMelo Ball play uh, last year, you know, he had that it factor where the game just sort of comes to him. So um, he was all right. Uh, Ty Jerome came off the bench, had 11 points for, for the Thunder. I mean, they tried to make a run of it in the fourth quarter, but it just wasn't enough. We, we, can move. Move. Yeah. we are a much well, to wrap it up. We're a much better team than this Oklahoma city thunder yeah. that's sitting at five and seven. What I will say about the thunder that did scare me in this game. I know we're about to jump back uh, to the magic before we get to the Pelicans, but in the Pelicans game briefly, we were up 20 and let the Pelicans come all the way back in the fourth quarter and actually take the lead by one. The thunder were down nine, a game or two ago against the Sacramento Kings came all the way back in the fourth quarter and won with a Dort buzzer beater. So what I was nervous about is our tendency as a good team to kind of let bad teams come back uh, in the fourth quarter and make it a game. The Thunder are that type of team. The Thunder are a bunch of young, hungry hustlers who are going to continue fighting until you saw this game, two or three minutes left where Nash pulled the starters, put them back in for a second just to seal the game. So uh, a, a win that was very expected, we should never lose. And luckily we were able to kind of be handed throughout this entire game but there's always going to be that slight concern of this Nets team, as we've seen in the past, letting bad teams come back uh, in crunch time. 50% from the field overall, 42% from three, 120 points. Um, usually when you put up those numbers, you're not going to lose. And they they really did a good job uh, on defense against the Thunder. Um, and the final thing I'll say is James Harden, 16 points, 13 assists, uh, six turnovers. So uh, not a great game for him, but this was coming off a really good game against the Pelicans, of which we will get to. But we're going to go all the way back, Nick, to last Wednesday when the Nets beat the Magic 123 to 190. This was the score. I guess I wrote No, it down. wasn't 123 to 190. It was 123 to 90. To 90. 
to the listeners out there, I apologize. I just came back from shooting hoops. I'm a little bit winded. I don't know if you can tell by my voice, but uh, 123-290. Is that, is that correct? That's correct. This is Durant's 30-point game, as he also did, in the, if we didn't mention, in that Thunder game on Sunday. Oh, I mentioned. Three points. Did mentioned. you? Okay, good. Uh, this was another just did not falter one quarter. Outscored the Magic 28-23, 37-30, 29-22, and 29-15 in the fourth which again has been our kryptonite in the past in big games. So the fact that we closed these two games, yes, against pretty shitty teams, still a good sign. Magic uh, at this time are three and nine. Their record now is what I'm seeing three and 10. So even worse than this Thunder team, this is bottom tier East. These two games, you know, always should be gimmies. But with that said, it's always nice to see a good Nets performance. Another over 50% from the field, 43% from three solid, um, and just a good all-around team performance. I mean, just looking at the, the distribution of points here, Durant 30, Harden 17, Harden had a triple-double, 17, 11, and 11. Aldridge 21 and 8, Javon Carter 10, DeAndre Bembry 11. So seeing some of these uh, smaller role guys getting double digits, again, against a, a, a lowly Magic team, but a nice all-around win and a nice all-around uh, team, team win. I, everything you said was perfect. I agree with you. Um, Marcus Aldridge went off in this game. I mean, I love the fact that he went off in this game and Patty Mills went off against the Thunder. We have two guys that can go for 20 points off our bench on any given night. The one thing I forgot to say about the Thunder game, and I'm upset with myself because I see that he scored in this game too. So this was Cam Thomas in this Magic game. This was Cam Thomas's first NBA bucket. So that was cool. I think it was a layup. And in the Magic – I'm sorry, in the Thunder game – he was cooking in garbage time. I think like they basically let him go shoot wherever he wanted in that fourth quarter and it was like two minutes left and he ended up putting up four points, but the two baskets he had were beautiful. So I just want to say it's cool that Cam Thomas is getting garbage time. Um, if Joe Harris has to miss a good amount of time with his ankle injury, it might be time to, to start giving this young rook a little bit of minutes with that second unit. I would not hate that. Um, I don't think that throwing him in there would be a huge detriment to his growth. So I just want to say that good on Cam Thomas for scoring his first NBA bucket in this game and going for four uh, against the Thunder on Sunday. But back to this game, like you said, the, the Nets shot the heck out of the ball. You had really solid contributions from the bench and, and Carter, Bembry, Aldridge, uh, Millsap got in there. He had five, Patty had six. It, just an overall great game by the Nets. And then on the other side, I mean – you know, the Magic, they, they were sort of creeping through three quarters. They were trying to get back into this game. And then in that fourth quarter, they just put up 15, and they, they basically uh, bent the knee, as they say in Game of Thrones. Let me uh, let me tell you guys a crazy stat. So we shot 43% from three-point range, 16 of 37. The Magic shot 12%. Four of 33. Four yeah makes in 33 attempts that is absolutely pitiful they shot 38 percent as a team and mo bamba had two of them that's crazy mo bamba all right let's, um, get to the, let's get to the good game we will we will but i also want to just shout out terrence ross i don't know how old that guy is i feel like 17 points for him on 7 to 14 from the field i feel like he's been in the nba forever no, Terrence Ross has the greatest situation in the NBA. He doesn't care about winning. He just kind of wants to come off the bench and some sick shots and feel like the man. And he likes doing it in Orlando. He's like, hey, guys, we can be down 20. I'm going to come in, pull like an eight foot behind the arc three, rip it and one four-point play, and then just walk off with swag. So 
Yeah, I'm a, I'm a Terrence Ross guy because I just think he gives no fucks about basketball other than getting his. I mean, I'm sure he can go to Disney World like anytime he wants for free. So, yeah, I'd play in Orlando too, Nick. Thank you. Was that a bad joke? Am I not allowed to, to make light of Disney World on the show? No, I said thank you for that joke. I thank you, just, you. You just seemed angry about it. Orlando. I love you. God, what is wrong with us? All right, we move on to the, the Friday night game. Uh, the New Orleans Pelicans, probably the worst team in the NBA, gave the Nets a run for their money in that fourth, but the Nets were able to pull away 120 to 112. I got that score right, you motherfucker. I watched this entire game glued to the screen. I ordered a bunch of Chinese food. And I wait, wait, myself- wait, wait. You watched the other two games too, right? In, in their entirety? Not as glued to the screen because this, this game I had in the background and we were up so much going into the fourth quarter and some dude on the Pelicans named Trey Murphy the third went off. But banked like two threes in from 25 yards out. Then Jackson Hayes and Herb Jones, I know you guys are big fans of those two, just started getting every rebound and putback known to man. Valanchunas was literally like unstoppable. Even Garrett Temple, former net, love Garrett Temple, super handsome guy, uh, was hitting all his open shots. Josh Hart was hitting like a fadeaway three in the corner. The Pelicans became like the greatest offensive efficient team for maybe two minutes, cut this game tied it up, then took the lead by one with a couple minutes left in the fourth quarter. And I actually, at that point, was like, are we about to lose to the 1-11, now 1-12, New Orleans Pelicans, Pelicans, without Zion and without Brandon Ingram. Luckily, we said, okay, wait, give the ball to Harden and Durant again, and they were able to seal the deal. Yeah. um, The Pelicans. This was James Harden has arrived. That was this game. Uh, 39 points for him, 11 of 18 from the field, six of 10 from three, 11 of 15 from the line. He also had 12 assists. Nick, this puts him two games shy of the Nets record for most 30 plus point, 10 plus assist games. And do you know who has that record? Absolutely incorrect. Stefan Marbury. Ooh, this was the game. Joe Harris started six for six from three. This was Harden's a 30, 10 game. Steph Marbury has 10. Yeah, Joe Harris was unconscious in this one in that first half. Every like, and you know that the 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 team and the fan, I mean, this was an away game, but nothing gets Nets fans going more than Joe Harris made three-pointers. I mean, they're the biggest momentum swings for our team when he's making them, and they're the biggest momentum swings for our team when he's not making them. Um, but he was electric in that first half. He ended up going six of eight from three, nine of 12 from the field for 24 points. Uh, you had KD who scored 28 points in this one, eight assists, seven rebounds. He was also phenomenal. Other than those three guys, Nick, nobody for the Nets really came to play on offense. I mean, Griffin had eight, Aldridge had seven, uh, Javon Carter had six, two threes off the bench for Javon Carter. So another two, two, three pointer performance for him. Um, But it was the James Harden show, man. He was on fire. And it's not the fact that he scored 39. It's the way he was scoring. I mean, step back threes, going to the rack and ones at the rim. You couldn't stop him even if you tried. And unfortunately for the Pelicans, they caught him on a night where he was like, fuck it. I'm just taking over down the stretch. He was hitting free throws to ice the game. I mean, he was fantastic in this one. and it was just nice to see because this is a guy a few games ago, right? I'm talking six or seven games ago said, look, 
I'm not going to be out there scoring 40. It's going to take me a little bit of time to get back to where I want to be. He had 39 in this one, Nick. He did not look too shabby. No, not at all. I'm just pulling up a stat I'm curious about because I believe one of the announcers in the game said the Pelicans have the worst field goal percentage in the league. That's uh, and they shot 48 against us, which is above the highest uh, NBA average in the league. We shot 51. They shot 48.9, so 49%. We'll give them the roundup. They were 41% from three. We were 53% from three. Uh, the number here, you know, if we're going to take away anything to learn in this game, uh, is the Pelicans out-rebounded us by 10 and out-offensive rebounded us by five. And that was the reason that they were able to come back into this game. There was a stretch where we didn't have Aldridge in. It was just Griffin. And I love what Blake Griffin does for this team. But if you're against two young, big rebounders, even Jackson Hayes is just going up for everything and bopping them down low. we got a bunch of bang guys on this Pelicans team. Not the most talented bang guys, but bang guys nonetheless. Uh, and they were getting pretty much anything they wanted off the rim or off the glass. So a couple big wins against some awful teams. I don't mean big as an important. I mean big margin wins. But if we're going to take anything with a grain of salt, it's – Still, rebounds are scary, especially on the offensive glass. So let's just keep that in mind. But again, I mean, KD and Harden, past couple games, playing lights out. We love this team. They're winning. It's a great sign. Second in the East after starting off pretty slow. So all things considered, we're happy. But let's let's never uh, let's never get too comfortable. Definitely not too comfortable. Um, a few takeaways from this road stand. So Blake Griffin, who was on the hot seat for Nets fans, he had just not been playing well. He's picked it up a little bit the last few games. I mean, obviously, he's always going to be taking the charges um, on defense. He is the leader of the Blue Collar Boys Club. So, you know, he's going to be there on defense taking charges. Offensively, he's been relying less on sort of hanging out at the three-point line, and he's been going to the basket a little bit more on pick and rolls with KD and Harden. He's been getting some layups at the rim. So you really like to see that because that three-point shot, Nick, it just has not been there for Blake all year. Patty, Patty's patty got it going a little bit more than, than you know he was earlier in the year. Joe Harris has gotten out of his cold slump, and Nets fans are waiting for Blake to start hitting some threes. I mean, we're only asking, if you're going to take five or six threes a game, we're asking for two. And he just hasn't been doing that uh, at all this year. So I, I want to credit him for going to the rim a little bit more, but but he still needs to hit that three. That's concerning for Nets fans, Nick. In your heart of hearts, do you think that Blake Griffin is on this team uh, after the trade deadline? Yes, but not. but I don't think it's smart to hold on to him. I think the Nets will, though. Do you think he'll be in a lesser role once Claxton comes back and if Aldridge gets more time? Do you think his role will diminish as the season goes on? I mean, if Claxton or when Claxton comes back, he'll maybe cut into Griffin's minutes a little bit. He should not cut into Aldridge's minutes. I still think Aldridge's limited minutes could be gradually increased more and more. I'm hoping they are because he's still sitting around 20 to 25 a game. I think he can be getting closer to the high 20s. He doesn't seem to beat up after these games. It doesn't look like he's lagging. So I think they're being safe with Aldridge. I think they're giving Blake Griffin too much of a chance to redeem himself. I don't like Blake Griffin at this point shooting threes. I mean, I know that Nash is giving him the benefit of the doubt to find his shot, but it's really not working. And sometimes he takes him way too quickly into the, into the, uh, into the possession. So what I will say to answer your question is I think Griffin will stay. And I think it's wise for this team to really start leaning on Aldridge more so in terms of minutes than Griffin. What bothers me is eventually if Griffin stays cold from three, he's going to get into, into his head. And teams are just he's already keep, in his head. Teams are going to keep giving him that shot, though. So he's either got to make it 
or he has to make a quicker decision, take a dribble in, shoot that 12-foot mid-range shot instead of the three-point shot. So we'll see what happens with him. Bruce Brown had an okay road stand. Not a lot of scoring from him. I, I mean, he's been pretty solid on defense, but I'd like to see him play better now that he's home. Uh, he's someone who can definitely afford to pick it up. All right, yeah, I think you said everything regarding that, that you know, those three wins. Not great teams, but important games nonetheless. All right, Nick, moving on to finish up the podcast. The Warriors are playing at Brooklyn tonight. If you're listening on Tuesday, it's tonight. If you're listening the next day, it was yesterday. Um, and if you're listening the day after that, it was two days ago. Thank you for clarifying. Who do you got in this game? Do you think the Nets show up to their first game at home in a while and beat the 12-2 and Golden State Warriors? Is that what their record is? I'm not going to lie. I'm terrified of the Warriors. The Warriors like absolutely rocked the Bulls, and the Bulls were at one point supposedly the best team in the East right now. The Warriors uh, are 11-2 right now. 11 They're just coming off a loss, actually, to the Charlotte Hornets. On the same day that Cam Newton made his – uh, debut for the Carolina Panthers. So two big, big, big games in Charlotte. Carolina plays in Carolina Panthers. Right, in Charlotte. right. You know right. that. So um, big, big day for for Charlotte, uh, North Carolina. So I'm scared of the Warriors. You know, normally I would say this is going to be a super tight game. I still think we have a chance. But I saw this video. Did you see this, dude? Steph Curry was so hot the other night. He shot a three, turned around, pointed at a fan, and just didn't even watch it as the ball went in and just like, jogged back. Like he is so confident and he has such a feeling of when he knows he's stroking it. That's scary, bro. Like Durant, I think is still the best shooter in the league, but Steph Curry is a crazy man. That dude is on another level sometimes when it comes to X factor. I don't know anybody who can get as hot as Steph Curry and just huck him from pretty much anywhere beyond the half point line, uh, the half court line. So I think uh, we could win this game. You know, it's Durant against the Warriors. So there's definitely some, some bad blood between those two parties. I don't think it's malicious. I think they respect each other, but He's definitely going to want to make a point. Um, it's going to be a great game, but I will say, I think the Warriors are right now the scariest team in the league. I got four words for you, Nick. Bruce Brown, Javon Carter. Okay, those guys are going to D up Steph Curry. They're going to take turns covering him. And I think they're going to do a good enough job to the point where Curry doesn't go for 30 or more. I'm hoping that Curry gets around that 20 to 25 number. I don't think that Wiggins is going to go off Wiggins for some reason, these last few games, he's been on a tear. Um, I think we're able to kind of slow Wiggins down with the length of KD, uh, the Deandre Bembry's on our, on our squad. And then I think this is a game where Aldridge can really go off. I don't think that the Warriors have a, an excellent front court by any means. I mean, I think, I don't know if Draymond's going to be playing. I know he was hurt. Uh, he might be in there. I know they got Bielitsa. They have Kayvon Looney. They have this rookie Kaminga. Um, Gary Payton, the, the second's been giving them good minutes. But yeah, I think this is a game that Harden can dominate. Aldridge can dominate. KD's going to show up. And I like our chances in this game because I think with our with our guards and even Patty Mills can play some defense, you will be able to not stop Steph Curry, but to not let him go for 30 or more. That is my prediction. The Nets will win this game. It will be tight, but we will prevail. So it's in Brooklyn. What do you think the spread is? I have the spread in front of me. I'm going to say the spread is Nets minus three. Wow, three and a half. That's what that's I do, buddy. Good. Yeah, I probably, I probably would have said one and a half, but uh, that's pretty that's pretty generous uh, for the Warriors, giving the Warriors a couple more points. So 
Listen, we'll see what happens no matter what. It's fun to watch uh, the Warriors, fun to watch the Nets. It'll be just a cool game overall. I mean, and, and much better than the shit teams we've been playing these past couple of weeks. And here's a very cool fun fact. It's been all over Twitter. Um, the Eastern Conference player of the, the week last week was Kevin Durant. You know who the Western Conference player of the week was? Steph Curry. Exactly. So I don't, I'm sure this isn't the first time that's happened, but that's a fun fact. All right, Nick, that does it for this week's episode of Fireside Nets with Spen and Nick brought to you by Empire Sports Media. Any final words for the listeners? Yeah, you know, I did want to say one thing, not Nets related, but basketball related. I want to give a shout out as a basketball lover and a fan of basketball and a fan of players development and improving and working their asses off. I want to give a shout out to Zach Levine, uh, who I don't think anybody saw being this good. Uh, at this point in his career. He's 26 years old. He's shooting over 50%, averaging over 25 points a game. He's taken the Chicago Bulls team in the past three years, being one of the worst teams in the league, if not the worst, to a top three team in the East, arguably top five in the NBA. Uh, so not a Bulls fan, not even necessarily a huge Zach Levine fan, but I got to pay respect in the basketball world to a dude who who just literally put in work to get to where he is and build a team around him. So shout out Zach Levine. It's funny you said that. Um, I don't know if you're on TikTok, but I'm on TikTok and I follow a lot of basketball accounts. And one of the accounts I follow is a NBA trainer named Jay. I don't know what his name is, but his account's Jay Law. You guys can look him up on social media. And he trains with Zach Levine. And watching those videos of the work that Levine puts in, you couldn't be more on point when talking about his growth and talking about how good he's become on offense. Some of the shots he he makes are only shots that he can make due to his athleticism. And he's had to work on those shots with this guy, J-Law, I guess. So, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Watch those videos. They're incredible. He puts in a lot of work, and and it shows. All right, Nick, we're going to do a new thing to to end the pod. I want you to come up with a song, and I'm going to do that song with the Fireside Nets closing. So you want me to come up with a melody from a song, and you're going to sing the melody of that song with the Fireside Nets lyrics. Correct. All right, um... Afternoon delight. Okay. Catch you on the fireside. Thanks for listening, guys.